the Powerful Nonsense Podcast. Learn everything you need to know to make a living outside the 9-to-5 grind and crush it at life. You'll learn from inspirational guests and in-depth discussions. Go from employee to entrepreneur and start creating a life you love and still pay the bills. So here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Let's get on with the show! This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status in recognition for their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Here we are once again. I know what you've tuned in for. (laughs) I know why you're here. It's for some powerful nonsense. We're going to give it to you right into your ear holes. It's actually nice to have us both back on. I don't think we've done a discussion episode in a while, have we? No, I don't think we have. We've had actually. a lot of great guests on, and we've still got lots lined up as well, but we haven't actually had a natter. No, I think you're right. When was the last one? It was just the two I actually of us. don't know. Because before Amy, it was Junior. And then Femi. Then Femi. Huh. I've missed talking to you, Wayne. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back. Old school style. Just me and Jem throwing around ideas today. And uh, today we're talking about whether or not ideas are the new currency. And I think this um, talking point came around because of um, James Altucher. I've heard, you've listened to a lot of James Mm -hmm. Altucher, his podcast, his website, his blog. He's also got a load of great books out. And I think one of them is called um, How to Become an Idea Machine. And he was sort of, and even in his new book as well, he's sort of just saying that actually the, the, where the economy are where we are in the economy right now actually it's the ideas themselves that are making money like you look at all these big companies it's Mm -hmm. because they are solving things in a new way and it's actually say if you look at uber it's an idea and it came about someone created it they saw the problem and suddenly it's a multi-million billion pound company and i think ultimately what he's saying is that we need to tap back into our creativity Mm -hmm. so that we can come up with these ideas and i'm gonna go off the beaten track a little bit already only two minutes in but you actually went to see James Altucher do a talk live a couple of months ago didn't you yeah I did it was really good actually I actually wanted to do a expose review slash post James Altucher's show but I never got around to suggesting it to you properly so could you give us a quick rundown (laughs) I I know I'm going completely off no, no, it's fine. Um, to be honest, it was much more just really laid back. He weren't trying to say anything. I mean, it's, it's his usual stuff. And I think the, the ultimate thing I took from it is his, is what I really try to live by now is his kind of idea that become 1% better every day, whether that's in your health, in your mind, like read every day, do things that are progressing you. It doesn't have to be a lot every day, but just if you get better 1% every day, mm-hmm. then that's just going to stack up. And like he says, over a year, you're a completely different person. And I think that's what he stands by. He's got a lot to do with... Um, he really believes in having gratitude, being really grounded. And also just like he says, he has this formula where he comes up with 10 ideas every single day. Mm-hmm. And before long, he says, like, you're, you're, you have an idea muscle. Mm-hmm. And so what he's saying is if, if you keep coming up with ideas every day before long, your brain can't help but start just splurting out these ideas. And yeah. I think that's what is really, really important nowadays, because I think we're so locked off to seeing problems or trying to figure out these I don't know, find a way to get over a problem that we see, but our brains don't even know how to put together one idea and another. And he calls it like having idea sex where you kind of chuck two things together and you've got, you've got big companies already having idea sex. I mean, Apple in the, in the new watch they've got is, Mm -hmm. is a massive bit of idea sex. It's like, how do we stick technology into this massive health trend at the moment? Mm -hmm. And so James Ouch is all about that. It's just saying, look, how are we going to get better at seeing problems and then being able to stick two things together, have that sex together to come out with this new Mm -hmm. idea. And I think, and I think a lot of, um, 
a lot of entrepreneurs do struggle with. That's the first thing they think about mm. is like, how do I get an idea? I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. Or I, and it's just, yeah, you've really got to tap into that and work that idea muscle. Well, I remember when we were at uni, the University of Northampton sponsoring the show, cheeky plug. Um, <laughs> but when we were at uni and you were studying, um, well, you were very much looking to go into script writing as a, mm-hmm. I think as a career choice at that at that point. That was your frame of mind. Yeah. Um, and I remember every single day you'd come home and you'd be like, so I've had this idea for this film. And I'd be like, me as a creative, I've always been envious of people that can come up with these ideas for scripts because I'm shit at that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I can take an idea and I can make it better. But coming up with the original like idea itself, I always struggled with it. And every day you'd be like, so come up with this idea for this film. And I'd be like where are you getting these ideas from? And like every day you'd be like, oh, well, you know, I was just walking down the street and I was thinking, what if this happened? And then a whole idea for a film would come out. And I think that's just case in point of, you know. I was, I was exactly the same when I was working at the com- my company, my uh, V Inspired the Charity I was working for after university. I was the same. Like I'd walk into the office and then my mate would sit, sit opposite me and he was like a programmer. And every, every day I literally had a new idea. And I think because I was in that mindset where I was just literally trying to come out of ideas, I was like, I want to kind of create a business or do something like, yeah, create something new. And I think, and, and to be honest, I probably actually fell away from that at the moment because mm-hmm. you get so drowned in what you're currently doing. I think yeah. a lot of people are on autopilot doing doing their work, getting stuff done, that you don't have that sort of downtime just to muse and just try to stick two things together. And I think mm-hmm. it is one of those things. I think the more you keep coming up with ideas, actually the quicker they come to you. And I think then you've got an issue of, okay, how do you sift through the ones that are actually can be something yeah. and how do you take action on them? Because <laughs> I now look at that folder that you said, oh, Jim, you come up with loads the script ideas now I still got them all in a folder at home mm-hmm. and I do go back sometimes and have a little look in there and I'm just like well that was a bloody I'm surprised Wayne didn't tell me just that's a crap idea but I think you just constantly have this constant flow of ideas and even in that talk James Outshaw was saying I think someone in the audience actually asked him was like do you have some sort of way of evaluating which ones you should pursue? Mm-hmm. And he says, usually it's the one that just won't go away. It's that, right. it's like I've even said to you as script ideas I have, it's always that idea that just keeps coming back and keeps saying, I really want to be written. And I think that's what's the good thing. If you can just have like an abundance of ideas and then one just won't leave you alone. Literally, it's like you keep bumping into people who keep forcing you to end up talking about it or it comes up in conversation or you can't you, yeah you wake up in the morning and you think oh I really need to pursue that idea I think that's what he was sort of saying he said there's always that sort of gut intuition that actually there's something something in this idea nice. but yeah it was a great talk and he was really like himself like he's so down to earth like mm-hmm. he had a laugh and obviously super vulnerable on stage he got to meet his his wife as well who was really nice and oh his wife was there yeah she actually did like a talk beforehand actually Oh, nice. What was her talk about? I think it was more sort of like empowerment for women, get more women into right. entrepreneurship and make sure that you're these, that because you were saying how like not enough women are asking questions and right. it's a very entrepreneurship, it's a very sort of male dominated industry of all these very technical men. And she was mm-hmm. just like, it'd be nice to get more women out there into the into the limelight which is great which is why we want to have more women on our podcast really it's great to have amy on last week and mm-hmm. we're hoping that we can have more women stepping forward because it seems that it's true that she was just saying that men are happy to put themselves out there a lot more and she would just like to see a lot more women doing that i feel like that's a conversation for a whole nother episode <laughs> definitely that's why i didn't want to go too much into that <laughs> um so you mentioned um that that downtime and i was just thinking about you know the, the whole shower moment Mm-hmm. that everybody has which not is not necessarily in the shower i know daniel radcliffe actually 
the actor mm-hmm. has said many a time that actually for him the key points in his career have happened whilst he was in the bath <laughs> <laughs> like he'd have these ideas or some some breakthrough would happen mm-hmm. whilst he was in the bath so uh, it's obviously a cliche for a reason um the whole shower moments but i think it's that idea as, as you say is that that thinking time and it's that that time where you're not thinking about what you're doing because you're on autopilot and you're just thinking about i mean that's i know for a fact that's usually where my great ideas come and i'm just like oh, i've got it or if i'm actually usually quite often when i'm traveling because i don't drive i mm-hmm. go by public transport so i'm sat doing nothing your brain's just podcast, giving out white noise music, or yeah. And yeah um sometimes none of those at all so yeah it's just that that thinking time and i think making sure that you have the ability to go and get that thinking time is super super crucial i do find that a lot of the time actually is usually when i'm listening to those podcasts because i think a lot of the time someone will say something and it's kind of like that little seed in your head that kind of kicks off an idea but at the same time i sometimes believe as well like if you're constantly putting so much information into your head that you actually don't give yourself that time to have ideas you're like too busy listening to everyone else's ideas maybe you listen to this podcast that could be an opportunity just to have a bit of downtime for yourself and to really let those ideas come to fruition really yeah absolutely and i think that's why i don't really listen to much music anymore the only time i listen to music is if i'm getting ready to go out Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise if i'm commuting anywhere or whatever it's always a podcast because it's those it's those things as you say that really generate those ideas which really can then make or break a career really sometimes if they're executed well which brings me on to my next point which is what Gary V says because you know I love Gary V and uh, this is almost kind of counter to what uh, we're saying in a way but it kind of backs it up at the same time which is that the ideas themselves are worth nothing at all if you don't execute them and it's and it's not even if you execute them but whether you execute them well which i which i think is interesting because people are so caught up or well not so much anymore but often so caught up on protecting their ideas and make sure nobody steals their idea but it's kind of like well if you're not going to do anything with that idea then give the idea to someone else who's you know at least going to do something better with it I think that's what James Altucher actually says. He said that when he was, um, I think this was when he was in one of his massive lows and he was out of work and stuff. I think he just started looking at big businesses that were doing well and then just emailing them ideas of what they could be doing. And suddenly he started getting people asking for consulting and seeing if he could come in and help them out. And I think, yeah, it is true. Everybody's got ideas. Like you say, my scripts that I haven't written have have no worth to them at all. But at the same time, if they're executed well, who knows that they couldn't be like a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. So you just never know. But I think, yeah, it's just really important to kind of just act on those ideas and, and know when to act on them because one of the things I think is really important as well is just to have, like um, James Altra says there, you've got to kind of have those ideas and get them out of your head mm-hmm. as well. I think that's another thing that people kind of don't do. You kind of let the idea keep batting around in your head. Uh-huh. But I think there's something special about actually um, getting brain dumping. to... Yeah, brain dumping them. And I went to a, a talk on the weekend with um, Daniel Priestley and he was sort of saying that, for him to get out ideas he loves to write books because actually once he gets that idea of everything he was thinking it actually opens up a load of space for new ideas to come in Mm -hmm. so i think a lot of people kind of let those old ideas sort of ponder around their brains for so long that there's not a space for the yeah to let a new one in yeah i think there's something to be said as well for actually as you say writing those ideas down because sometimes you may think an idea is clear in your head but when you go to try and write it down and put it into words 
suddenly it becomes a little bit more difficult than you might anticipate because obviously when you're thinking you you think you're thinking in words but you're not necessarily thinking in words you're actually thinking in thoughts uh getting quite (laughs) deep crazy there but um but i think when you try and have that clarity of when you're writing it down um particularly if you're going into a little bit more detail than the the germ of the idea Mm -hmm. um and when you go right well you know so how's this going to work um, when you start going into that level of detail, suddenly that's where you see the holes as to whether or not it is going to work, whether or not you need to go and think about something um, in a little bit more detail and things like that. I mean, we had, um, with our production that we're working on, with my production company, we've had so many times where we've been like, nope, we know this, and then it's like, right, uh, go and pitch us the idea then. And you're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's 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 good. <laughs> The thing is, I think you're like initially so biased on your own idea. And it's usually when you're on like a bit of a high that these ideas come and then saying like, yes, this idea, this is the make or break. I'm going to, this is the idea I've been waiting for. And I think sometimes you might even just sleep on that idea and wake up and as I say, oh God, did I actually think that would be, that'd be, that was going to make me my millions or who knows, going to be a massive business. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I totally think that it's kind of, yeah, good to kind of get them out of your head. So obviously we've talked about generating ideas and all that sort of stuff um but really the question that we're posing with the episode is is whether or not ideas are the new currency um and i think when you look at the state of i say the industry but by the industry i'm talking about all industries um you know the fact that businesses their life cycle is so much shorter now Mm -hmm. than it's probably ever been um, and the fact that things are changing. I mean, look at Twitter. Twitter's in a huge upheaval at the moment. I mean, I still think Twitter's got so much potential. Somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know, Twitter's dead. I'm like, no, it's got a lot of potential. They're just not executing properly. Um, and I think that's because they've stuck to their guns. I mean, there's talk about the 140 character limit going at last. And it needs to happen because long-form Facebook posts are happening long-form Instagram posts are happening um, and people are getting around the 140 character limit on Twitter by just typing on their notes and posting a picture instead. So the 140 character limit is completely redundant. So now Twitter in a case of they're having to think of new ideas and, and pivot and adapt to the overall market because their identity now no longer means anything. But there's also, I guess, there's a big danger there for them. It's kind of like, well, if that's what you based your identity on in your first place, what happens when you change? And I think that's where, like you say, with the whole product lifestyle of companies now, it's like they know that they need to be changing week on week. Mm-hmm. Like every single time people are like, oh, I love Facebook the way it is. And then they bring out something new and everyone's like, I hate it. But and look then how suddenly, relevant Facebook yeah. still is. But that's what I'm saying. I think people... Nearly 10 years later. That's why they keep coming up with these ideas or these gaps or seeing the way that people are using it. And they've got such creative people in their actual company that they are saying, oh, what if we tried this out? And, and then what I like about Facebook, they're willing to kind of test stuff out and then say, do you know what? That didn't work, throw it away. Was it like timeline and stuff that mm-hmm. they had? And certain people didn't like that. Now they've got like memories. And if, oh, maybe people want to see their old memories because everybody's playing around with time hop. And so they, they try it out. If it pisses people off, let's take it back off again. I think... Mm-hmm. That is where there's the massive value in that people can become real, real creatives and see these ideas because companies understand that they need 
constantly, whether you're an entrepreneur, have your own business or you work for a business, your company is desperate for new ideas of how to innovate, how to bring something new to their customers, mm-hmm. to their audience, to the way they do things. Because if you don't innovate, you end up dying. You've got examples of this all over the place with companies like HMV. You've got Kodak that decided, actually, no, it'd be great if we can stick with the old-fashioned cameras. And like you say there, maybe for Twitter, sticking to that 140 is the thing that kills them. Or maybe the fact that they change them, people say, well, what's the difference between you and Facebook? But it's understanding that you do need to change and it's kind of, being willing to risk that at some point because at the end of the day standing still is, is probably the most dangerous thing you can do yeah i mean if we if we look at like facebook and twitter as a as a case study really um i think if you look at what facebook has done over the years is facebook has gone right what are all the new social networks doing why are they winning mm-hmm. right can we create our own version of that so that they don't so that people don't need these multiple social networks and they can just have one i mean the hashtags on facebook never took off people still rarely hashtag on facebook that's very much deeply embedded into twitter's identity mm-hmm. and i think if if twitter can take that and run with that because facebook have tried it and nobody uses it because mm-hmm. it's a it's an unnecessary it's feature a di- it's facebook. a different language on a different platform right right so the issue with Twitter is not oh, if we change what's the difference between us and Facebook. The difference is already there because people go to Twitter for a very different reason that they go to Facebook. I mean, Gary V would, I'm sure if he phoned up, he got on the phone to Twitter, he'd be like, right, this is what you need to do because this, this, this and this. It's, it's the reasons why people go on there. People go on Facebook to engage with family and friends and also any brands that they're deeply connected to because they've liked them. That's pretty much it. With Twitter, people are going on there for news. They're going on there for um, engagement with complete strangers. They're going on there for engagement with celebrities and all of that sort of stuff. So it's a completely different platform Mm -hmm. in terms of why people go there. And I think if Twitter can understand that that's why, then they can start getting far more creative about how they can start engaging that audience. The problem they've had is that they've not really thrown around any ideas. I think the most inventive thing Twitter has done is Twitter video. Mm-hmm. Which, and which they don't promote. Nobody knows it exists. Mm-hmm. I think as well, like you say there, like Twitter are very responsive. I think if anybody, like I think even the other day, I think my girlfriend was just like, oh, this just happened in America. And she didn't mm-hmm. look at the news. It came up on Twitter. It was the first thing. I think that's where their USP lies, really. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's what companies need to do is to kind of know how people are using it and innovate on that thing that people use it for. Absolutely. And I think innovation comes not from... Um, just coming up with this brand new idea that nobody's ever thought of. I think innovation really comes when you take two ideas that have never been put together before and you mush them into one. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes they don't mix well. It's oil and water, but sometimes Mm -hmm. they mix well and something something amazing comes out of it. Well, I think Facebook itself was... I think the idea from Facebook, I might be wrong on this, but started out with the idea of basically a chat room on for universities where you could see whether or not the person you were talking to was single or in a relationship i'm pretty sure that was the germ of the idea yeah it was and and now it's turned into something this juggernaut of technology um just because they keep applying new ideas to the same concept and now i mean one of the last things that you do on facebook i think is is look at someone's relationship status unless you really fancy them (laughs) (laughs) but um obviously we talk a lot about education as well and how, how do you sort of think that is education playing into this creativity because it seems that companies nowadays are kind of i saw an article the other day how they're kind of 
not looking at people's degrees as much mm. and they're more thinking about actually how does this person think do they think laterally can they put ideas together mm. have they have they crushed two things together are they sort of idea machines in a way and how does that mean that like maybe education has to change because i guess initially they've created very systematized students in a way that kind of can fulfill a role but now they're saying well if that role is changing every six months because new technology then do we need people that can actually be idea machines really mm-hmm. <sighs> what a can of worms <laughs> um, look as far as as far as ideas and and being appropriate for the new economy goes this is this is kind of how i see it uh, the main issue with schools is they haven't embraced technology and they refuse to embrace technology they're saying they're embracing technology, but they're not embracing technology. There are schools spending thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds on new computing equipment that they don't know how to use. <laughs> um, and they just buy it and go, right, we've done it. We've got the iPads. <laughs> we are now a f- up-to-date 21st century school. And it's like, yeah, but are you letting your students use phones in the classroom? If the answer is no, then you haven't embraced technology. There is no point getting your students... I mean, okay, to a degree, yes. Uh, they do need memory recall. But generally speaking, there's little use in telling your students, this is a date in history, remember this date. Because, really, it's at, the, at their fingertips. They don't need that information. What they need is applied information. It goes back to the ideas and execution. It's exactly the same as knowledge. You can have as much knowledge as you like, but if you're never going to use it, What's the freaking point? Like, what is the point of teaching students Pythagoras' theorem? I have never, and never will, probably. <laughs> we hit a nerve with Wayne. Never going to say never, but I, I can't foresee any future in which I'm ever going to need to use Pythagoras' theorem because I'm not an engineer, and I'm not in that field of expertise. And most people, funnily enough, aren't either. <laughs> what What students need to be learning about now is learning about creativity, learning about idea generation, learning about how to use technology and how to use technology to make a living. That's what students need to be learning. That's not what they're being taught. Yeah, I think you've made a really valid point, especially on the kind of the application of skills. I think, like I was saying to my little brother the other day, because he, my mum was saying, oh, maybe they do need to put phones or whatever into classroom. My brother's like, do you know what? We use the phones in the classroom. They've got all the iPads. Yes, they've got the touchable board but they're doing it in the same way that they're showing us, okay, here's a textbook that we put onto the iPad. And I guess that's, that's the problem there. I guess is they want to know, okay, I think young people are now clever enough to say the question, why am I learning this? Mm -hmm. And I think like you say that, I think that all comes in application, unless they can see it applied to something that seems valuable and valid, then I don't think they're actually going to learn it in that way. Well, I mean, if you look at the way that, that kids learn now, generally, um, like my brother is an absorber of knowledge, right? And he basically the way he learns is he hops on Wikipedia. He's like, oh, I want to know about this. He hops on Wikipedia and then he sees a link to another article, which also piques his interest. So he learns about that bit. He also then sees another link to another article, which piques his interest. So he clicks there. And it's not people do not learn from a front cover to back cover fashion anymore. They learn on what interests them because there's so many distractions when they are learning. It's like, what's the most interesting? Is it this knowledge, this knowledge, this knowledge, or is it Twitter? Yeah. Right? And the education system needs to be aware of that because there's no point in teaching people the front cover to back cover system. All you need to teach them is, here's a book, go read it. And if you like it, finish it. If you don't, 
go on to something else. If it doesn't pique your interest. Mm-hmm. But, but the academics of the world, sorry, academics, um, are still stuck in this, there's a book, read it, and then write me an essay on it. But do you think there's then a danger that the fact that the young people today, I guess, have been given that front-to-back mentality where there's, okay, go from A to B, and I think when it comes to creativity and I ideas creation, there is never an A to B. It and might never. go A to F. It might go F to Z. It might go... And so there is no kind of blueprint. There's no way of strictly putting that into a system that you can say, okay, if you do this, you'll get creativity. And I think that's the part that's hard because it cannot be quantifiable. It cannot be put into a structure of creativity. But I think... No, no, I disagree. I think you can put creativity into a structure. Um, it's just not as straightforward as A to B, as you say. But, I mean, you can... The way that you can teach creativity is simple. You present someone with a scenario, a very simple scenario, then you change the scenario. And then you say, right, now how do you get the same result that you wanted before, or a similar result to what you wanted before, in this new, fresh scenario? We used to do it all the time, training as actors, when you were doing physical theatre. It's like, right, you can't talk, you can only move, and you have to portray this expression, this Mm -hmm. emotion, to this other person. Okay, right, you've done that. Okay, Now, you've got to do exactly the same thing again, except this time you have to always be touching a wall when you do it. And then you have to start thinking of slightly more creative creative ways of expressing that same emotion, but this time you can't talk and you have to always be touching a wall. Mm -hmm. And that's when the true magic happens with creativity. Because I guess there is sort of creativity, I guess, is forced by constraints in some way. So like you say Absolutely. there, you add in a few of the constraints. So maybe you give the per- the maths in the class, you give the person the problem. This, biz- this business is not making enough money. Have a look at why it's not and what you would do differently. Mm-hmm. And then I guess that way you've set some limits, which allows the creativity to sort of open up out of it, I guess. Definitely. I mean, that's why old school films are so much better than new, in terms of blockbusters anyway because now they just go oh well we can fix that in, we can fix that in post or you know, oh well we can create that on a computer so it doesn't matter like if you look at the old school films and all the special effects the effects are so much cooler because there are limitations because they can't just hop on a computer and make it look how they want to make it look they have to build it mm-hmm. and that's a prime example of where creativity is so much I mean look at Look at Rodriguez, the director. Uh, Not Ricardo, that's a wrestler. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, I think. I think I know you mean, but I'm not Uh, too sure. Once Upon a Time in Mexico, that guy. Okay, I still don't know. Sonny Rodriguez. But, you know, he's he's made amazing films on shoestring budgets. Like, his films are heralded as some of the best films of all time. And his shoestring, shoestring budget. And there's actually an interview, I think he was on Tim Ferriss' podcast got a feeling it was Tim Ferriss um, and there was an interview with him and he was talking about this you know artists don't like an artist can't like a painter can't tell you how to paint because they don't know how to they just do it they just practice they just get out a paintbrush and they start painting and then they it turns into something and it turns in fact Amy was talking about it in her interview with us she'd just start painting something mm-hmm. and it would turn into something else like the chicken soup thing you know, a prime example. She spilled chicken soup all over her painting and then she could have just thrown it away and started again, but then she's gone, well, no, this is a limitation. I now have chicken soup all over this painting. How can I then use this and still express something? That's what creativity is about. That's what idea generation is about. And that's where, if you think of all of the scientific breakthroughs that have happened, I say all, 
a huge amount of scientific breakthroughs that have happened have happened completely by accident because two ideas that would never have been put together have been put together and that's where the magic happens and so how do we get more of these accidental <laughs> things to happen so that we can you i think you just have to be open it's all about openness and i think i think even entrepreneurial wise and in terms of just the millennial mindset i think we're so and i think this is education's fault as well we're so adverse to just being open we're so worried about why something won't work as instead of worried about how we can make something work. I think that's why people love those sort of books that are like six weeks to this or the blueprint to that. And I right. guess with ideas and creativity, as you say, as we said before, there is no blueprint. And I guess that's where our mindsets need to change and we need to be more fluid and need to kind of be open and to stick two things together and see what happens. And we're a bit afraid to mix things really, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. And I think... I think that's something that we just need to get into the habit of doing is just taking two completely obscure ideas and bringing them together. And not getting too hung up on the outcome and just see. Right. And see if if it's a viable solution. And if it's not, try something else. And if that doesn't work, try something else. And I guess it, I guess nowadays as well, the internet is probably making it so much easier for you to be exposed to different concepts, ideas, information. And so really there's millions of possibilities that combinations that can go together it's just being willing to kind of put them together yeah absolutely i've been a little bit naughty because we were supposed to take a break midway through and talk about our sponsor which i feel (laughs) a little bit (laughs) naughty uh because i've been bashing education but this place knows what they're doing they're thinking properly about how to teach people entrepreneurial skills, creativity, and all that sort of stuff. So we've got to thank University of Northampton for their continued support of the show. So check them out, northampton.ac.uk. So there we are. Do you think that ideas are the new currency? I do. I do. I think you're never going to run out of the need for innovation. So Absolutely not. And if you don't innovate, someone else always will. If you want to check out the book that we mentioned, James Altucher, We'll have that on the show notes. There should be a link on your phone if you tap on the screen on your podcast app or head over to powerfulnonsense.com and the show notes for the episode are on there as well. So get thinking those ideas, get brain dumping. Always love a good brain dump. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks once again to Northampton Uni for sponsoring the show and we will catch you next time, next Friday, 7am GMT. We will catch you later. See you later. <laughs>